Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How are you doing? I'm Chuck. I am Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. I uh, Let's see. What do we got? Uh, uh, Subscribe on iTunes. There you go. Okay. I'm like, (laughs) what do I start with? (laughs) I I forget these things sometimes, man. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Look for Metal Sucks Podcast. You can find it. Uh, You can search it. You can get us on Stitcher and couple other podcasting apps and make sure you find us there and uh, download us every week subscribe that way it comes to you leave us five stars and tell us that we suck that's always good this is the website every Monday uh, Monday is when we post it and uh, you can get all kinds of exciting things like today our interview with Jean-Paul Gaster of uh, the Mighty Clutch <laughs> I'm so looking forward to re-listening because I haven't heard it since when we did I it. know I know and uh, and we just did it last week because they were it was the last show of their tour right mm. before they were going into the studio here in Texas mm. actually because Machine who is done so many other CDs. You're a close mo- personal friend. <laughs> I met the guy on a panel. Uh, he uh, he moved to Texas, and uh, so he's got his uh, machine shop now out in the country here in Texas, and uh, Clutch is here for the next month, like, recording their new record, which is uh, Do you realize cool. when you say that, like, almost everybody outside of Texas hears... Th- that's, what, what? that's what that's the sound of machines recording studio you know it's oh, just like wow. hey man no, <laughs> people I, with big hats and yeah you know, right yeah spurs. exactly hey man i'll tell you what they're gonna make a country album <laughs> it's, it's a totally. clutch country album <laughs> gonna be great tell you what man uh, hey come on dude ministry made their shit in west texas so <laughs> I, I i you know they were awesome in concert yeah they played two or three i think it was three new sort of sketches i guess is the oh best yeah, you yeah, call yeah, it. yeah yeah that's what i would say i, I think like, like i said i was like you were sort of skeptical. i'm nervous i'm nervous but see me i hear that and i'm like oh this is this is pre-producer yeah. writing is what it is it's like this is before anybody gets to it you but know what like, i'm saying oh. So. Well, the good thing is that Clutch are not going to be doing a covers album. No, they are not. And that was one of the things we wanted to talk about. Look at you with the segue. Oh, look at your brilliance over here. Yeah. Ah, lovely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we, uh, well, you brought it up, actually, because you saw, you saw what, Prong's cover album that they're going to be doing there yeah. coming out with? And it, was a, and it kind of sprung into a, a little bit broader topic uh, about, <laughs> about cover albums in general, because Prong's... They're they're coming out with a cover album that's called Songs from the Black Hole, which you know is not like a euphemism, I don't think, or at least it it, it might be. You, well, you never know. As soon as I saw that title, I'm like, you better not be covering Soundgarden, man, because <laughs> I hate that song. Let's do the entire Soundgarden record. Well, it's like if you're gonna cover a Soundgarden song, you do not cover Black Hole Sun. Be- not because Soundgarden did it so great that nobody else should do it. It's just that it's such an incredibly bad song that well, yeah. everybody should ignore its existence. So Prong picked a bunch of songs that I would not have picked for anybody to cover, which can be a good thing because mm-hmm. kind of it's one of those those cool things sometimes where a band covers a song and you're like, oh, that's a great song. You don't even realize that it's a cover. And some of these songs that they have on here are... 
very broad. I mean, it's very random. I mean, you know, I know the Fugazi song pretty well. I know the Bad Brain song pretty well. I know Neil Young, obviously. Uh, Sisters of Mercy, which I think is fucking great. You know, <laughs> I was like, that's that's beautiful. Wait, are they going to do Cortez the Killer with like 12 minutes of guitar solos? Probably. Oh. Except it's going to be bass solos. See, yeah. The, the problem with any band covering Cortez the Killer is that you're going to spend the rest of your career with everybody dreading going to see you in concert in case you might play Cortez the Killer. You know what I mean? It's True. a great song, but oh, but man. you know, picking they they picked a few things that are just sort of like wow, what? Uh, Black Flag. Okay, you pick a Black Flag song, you're going to use bars. Really? Okay, that's 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 mm. sort of an odd one to pick from them. Husker Du, which I think it's sort of strange and random to pick a Husker Du song to cover. Well, it could be better in the than first a place. Bob Mould sh- uh, solo, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> Standing dis- on the edge of the. And I know Discharge, down, but. You know? <laughs> and I know Discharge, but I'm not sure. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, I don't know. So is Wait this. A minute, rewind. I would like to hear Prong cover Hoover <laughs> Dam by Bob Mould. <laughs> uh, so is this like a. Do you think this is representative of who they are? Like a. Is this is like the uh, we talked about the you, it's covers of stuff where it comes from. So you listen to like Slayer's Undisputed Attitude, right? Right. And you d- had no idea, like you never put together the punk influence in this thrash metal thing that they had going on until you heard that, and you're like, oh fuck, that's where all that DB stuff exactly. Comes from. You're like, oh no wonder. Now I kind of get that tie in. And how it sounds hardcore in some respects. Yeah, because you know? all the old guys are like, I hear Slayer, they just sound like fast punk rock. And you're like, screw that, man. That's not fast I don't punk hear rock. That. That's Slayer. Yeah. Slayer then, is Slayer. And then you hear but, Undisputed but, Attitude, and you're like, wait yeah, a minute. Those old guys are right. What? What are you talking about, yeah, man? Yeah, oh, totally. And then, but like, all right, so I had two reactions. My second reaction was, after seeing the lineup of songs that Prong were doing, was, oh yeah, Slayer's Undisputed Attitude, right? But my initial reaction i gotta say is in the wake of the last prong album which dude i beg to differ prove prove you wrong i mean these are metal classic albums as far as i'm concerned they are a couple of the best metal albums all times what beg to differ prove you wrong those are awesome albums but the last prong album Oh. oh, well, yeah, it, it fell a little flat. And so my initial reaction is like, you know, like you hear that album and you're like, oh, my God, prong are out of ideas. Yeah. So why does a band put out a, 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 a covers album? album? Yeah. Is it because they're done like creatively? They've got nothing going on. When or? I see the headline prong have a cover album, I'm thinking they're telling me exactly what my reaction was after I listened to the last <laughs> album, which is you're out of ideas. I need something familiar. Mm. Yeah. Or is it like trying to trying to return to form? I mean, because yes. uh, what I was what I referenced was like between the bear and me. They came out with the anatomy of, and that was basically kind of a finger to their record label that they were leaving at the time because they had to put one more record out, mm. and or else they couldn't leave the label, kind of thing. So right. they did a covers album and got out of their contract, kind of thing, or at least that was according to Tommy. But but the. The thing, the thing about that is, though, is that what they did with that, and that's like one of my favorite records, is it kind of gave an insight into who they were as a band. And you go, okay, well, you're playing Day I Tried to Live from Soundgarden. You're playing uh, Smashing Pumpkins song. You're playing uh, Us and Them from Pink Floyd. You're playing Sepultura's Territory. And you kind of hear these influences in their music. That some things that I didn't even realize were there, right? Sort of the same thing that he had happened with undisputed, undisputed attitude. attitude. So is this kind of one of the well? And then they return what seems invigorated and come out with another. Their new record is like boom. So is it also kind of a self examination thing too? You know, mm-hmm. so could this be prong going back to their roots? Going, 
this is really where we come from now the you know and, and giving it some of that credence you they know? went back to their roots well no i mean like fucking finding <laughs> out where the fuck you come from sometimes, every single you know? album a band does they went back to their roots <laughs> hey man <laughs> why doesn't a band ever say you know what we've decided that's, to that's, do, that's, do, do screw our roots that, that, that's <laughs> we're me. gonna impersonate everything. as a reviewer there are only so many sentences <laughs> yeah. as an album reviewer that you can write you go back to your roots the traditional way that you uh, examine oh uh, fuck off <laughs> Unless you're playing a rattle, you know, you're not going back to your roots. But no, I mean, sometimes sometimes you're really like, you go, because I mean, you look at the list of songs that they have on this, on the, that are, that are on this record. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I never would have put these together. But then you, maybe if you listen to it, you're like, oh, I, I hear where snap your finger, snap your neck comes from. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hear where these things come from because I never, I never would have added that up until I hear this. And that could be the same thing. It could be a result of that. And well, or like, anth- I mean, anthems for anthrax, you know, was that was more of a tribute record to me that felt, like, you know, I mean, it, there's it's interesting the way bands do covers albums for different reasons. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and by the way, I, I was totally ripping off Todd Berry earlier. I got to give that. Um, with the, they, they, they went back to the roots. Oh, That's yeah, a Todd yeah, Berry yeah, thing. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, but, but, uh, um, yeah, everybody does covers albums for different reasons, and 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 my the pessimist in me is that prong are like, well, we got to put out something. <laughs> but my the optimist in me is that prong are doing what, what I, I'm talking about, yeah, or or what every uh-huh. band should do at some point, which is like, you know what, we forgot w- what really makes us great, and so what we're going to do is we're going to impersonate bands that we know got it right. And and we're gonna we're gonna just do it a, a to Z exactly the way they did it. Roots, yes, and and and, <laughs> See? and then when we come Not out of that, me. we're gonna just that's gonna stick with us. And I think that there's a real value in that. Yeah, there possibly could be. I, I mean, just wish you did it as an EP instead of an LP. You know? Well, yeah, I guess so. But I mean, uh, why not? I mean, it's so be. And who knows? On a tour, and who knows? Know? There could be another. There could be another motive behind that too, just like it was for Between the Bear to Me. You know, yeah. I mean, there could be something else. In that as well, you know, not having not talked to Tommy, you know, so it's it's like, well, I, I'm not sure. Well, if we if we reached out to Tommy and said, do you want to talk to us? If he says no, then that means that they're doing it to get out of a contract. And if he says yes, then they believe in what they're doing. Right. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's I think it's interesting to see. And I mean, I think there are so many different reasons to do it. I, it, I always found it weird when a band included a cover song on their album. Yes, uh, I agree like, with that. Like, I always thought that was really strange. In, in, in the internet age, it definitely is. Yeah, because I mean, I th- if it wasn't like a bonus track or like a d- d- deluxe edition of the record or something like that, where it's an extra that came on it or something like mm-hmm. that, uh, what was it? Was it who was it? Arsis that put sunglasses at night, like dead yeah. center of, the, of that record. But that worked. Well, that was a great song. <laughs> yes, it was a great cover. But I, I still thought that was just what the fuck are you doing putting this in the middle of the record? <sighs> now, I, now if you uh, and I, but I want to say that if you. Bring Break it. Uh, if you broke that album down, A and B side, like that was the last song on the A side, if I remember right. But you know, who does that <laughs> who anymore? Does that anymore? <laughs> but to, to me, it's like that's that's the thing is that if you're going to do a cover song on a record, 
you, you bury it. You make it an extra. It's something else like that. I always thought that was very strange for a band to stick up oh, a you, cover song. You, you toss that Arsis in there, and man, I yeah. I, now you're thinking, I, I wear my it's sunglasses. So, it's so no. good, and I'd be worried if that if I had gotten. That's, I don't know why that was the one that popped in my head. But, but if I'd gotten that album and I didn't get sunglasses at night, I think I'd be bummed. I mean, it's a great, great, great death metal. Well, album. yeah, no, no, it's a it's a great death yeah. metal. Album, but I still it, it feel be, weird you, about it, a covering. It, it should though. be like track 11 you yeah, know that's yeah. what i'm saying it should be like the final track or a bonus track or a hidden track or something of that nature so that you now can get you don't that extra. you don't hide sunglasses at night <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole point man you wear that shit out front man that's what i'm saying because i wear my sunglasses because you know my future's so bright and shit yeah yeah i i, I make some know, more 80s references and, and then the, you know then the whole argument comes do you are, are you gonna do it the way as close to the original, yeah, yeah. or are you going to do something new with it? And and some people are like, man, that's the way the song is. That's the way you play the song. And I don't I don't agree with that at all. I want to hear how you're going to mess with it. Well, I, I actually think it depends on, I, I think that depends on who you are, or how you feel about that particular song. You know, like if I like doing a Thin Lizzy song for, for Anthrax, you know, having it set, having Jailbreak sound like Jailbreak was sort of important because I think to them, that's one of those it's one of those songs like it should sound like that but then when i hear between the bear to me was a good example of it actually uh i really love that record i don't know if you can tell uh but um their day i tried to live was aggressive and like it was meaty but then territory sounded just like the original us and them sounded just like the original and then they took tangents with smashing pumpkin songs and other things so some songs were perfect other songs were uh were bt bammed you know what i mean so like yeah. they they took they did both and i think that that you kind of have that opportunity when you do an entire record of that you can kind of change it up yeah but I'm, I'm not sure you know if you're gonna do it exactly the way it was done it's an exercise it's a it's a way of you just like trying to uh uh, uh or it says learn what they did like i was talking about earlier yeah, you're in the but, creative drought but i think you it also kind of says what you feel about that song like that song is so important to you that it needs to be done the same way yeah but why are you going to ask everybody else to pay for it well i mean because you can <laughs> i mean it's no, so I, 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 that's kind of bullshitty uh, no I, th- I i think it's totally fine i i don't see anything wrong with it man. Uh, you, you got to put your own flair on it if you're going to charge well it's going to be your own flair a little bit anyway i mean not like fucking uh well, i don't know i mean there's that saint anger thing that popped up on the internet this week <laughs> right yeah, well, that's a whole other bitch. I mean, maybe their voice is Metallica, you know what, what I mean? I, what but, I would love to see with that, actually, what I would love to see with that, because I have no idea how that happened and and whether or not those guys are going to get like sued to the fucking wall for that, no. you know? Did Metallica authorize that for them to play they, their no, entire but record? But they're, they, they give publishing if they make any money on it, and that's it. Well, yeah, but no, you have to have like rights to record it and put it out and all that stuff. No, you, you just got to pay publishing. Yeah. I don't know about all that. I, I, I don't know. I suspect, and, you know, they, they're, they're cushioning the blood. There's a thing called a I've gotten a few of those. Two, so. two of those dudes are wearing Metallica t-shirts. They'll be cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're advertising. Come on. Yeah, so like, if you go on the web, there's somebody did uh, like a full cover, the full album yeah, it's of Yeah, it's on the top bar at MetalSucks.net. Okay, Net. cool. Yeah. And it's... Um, and they did a good job with it, actually. I, yeah, the, I, I never thought Frantic sounded good until I heard their version of it. I was like, oh, hmm. 
Huh. I, I'm not gotten well, I mean, that deep. <laughs> it's not a great song. I mean, it's an awful Saint album. Anger's not a, well, no, it's it is an awful album, but it sounds better. It actually sounds like it's but it sounds like a local band should be doing it, right? But, and it's but that's the thing is that when a local band does it, it's like okay, all right, it sounds pretty good. You remember when there was like MTV Unplugged and it was so great because a band would go up there, they get their acoustic guitars, and you'd be like, wow, there's a really good song underneath whatever song, you know what well, I mean? Yeah, and, and you strip everything away, it's still a great song. Saint Anger, I don't care who <laughs> plays that album, that's still uh, an yeah, awful it's, album. It's pretty fucking terrible. It's terrible, and so I. I all right, so this was my thing. Why are you covering it almost true to form? Why not take those but, songs and try to make them good? Well, what I think they were doing was proving that the problem with the St. Anger was not just, or trying to prove, that the problem with St. Anger wasn't the songwriting as much as it was the mix. Like, the damage done in that was really the way it was recorded. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I, I swear to you that if if Bob Rock had not been the one that managed that thing and 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 personally like just changing the drums would have made it a completely different record for me because for me it's that snare the ding 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 the tin can that he's beating on the entire time that makes it unlistenable like yeah. you can't even listen to it oh yeah it hurts so bad that's the thing like if if and he's like I want it to sound like they're in a garage it's like well they're not in a fucking garage right. dude it's fucking Metallica man yeah so uh, the uh, they paid yeah. you how much to make it sound like <laughs> yeah I swear to God I think they should have paid some dude two hundred bucks and actually but did it in a garage to Bob, see how it turned out Bob Rock I picture he sits in his home and and he's laughing as he just spills the dollar bills <laughs> over himself but if Metallica is playing in the background he's laughing and crying at the same time well, over the damage that that guy did well i don't know man i mean or is it just like a, a an extreme troll i think i personally i think it was just an extreme <laughs> troll it's like oh you want a drum sound that sounds like it's in a garage huh here so ah. so it's like him, ah. it's like him and 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 the guy who was like uh, brian wilson's uh, psychologist the two of them like <laughs> hanging out of the bar laughing their asses off maybe i mean it's entirely possible who's done more damage to music than bob rock uh, and that asshole oh uh, uh well i could probably think of a few people here and there <laughs> There ought to be a, uh, that should be a panel of South by Southwest. Hall of Fame. Who's done the most damage to rock and roll? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but I think that I, I found it weird because I listened to that cover of St. Anger and I, I was left with, oh my God, it, it was, the songs are just as bad as production. There was just nothing redeeming about it. Eh, I, I thought it was definitely better, at yeah, least, okay. more, more than anything. I don't know. What, is there any other album that you'd love to have some unknown band like actually do an awesome job with it? Oh, like uh, like, like out of nowhere type of thing, like a terrible record or a record that is underappreciated, maybe mm. an unknown with a album mm. that was sort of no. I mean, yeah, I mean, could somebody do Lulu? <laughs> Nobody can do that. No, no, no. There's no way. I mean, I mean, I think you know, God know. killing Lou Reed was just his his contribution no, to making Lulu sure Lulu Two doesn't happen. Yeah, right. Who was who did said that? Was it tyranny of tradition? This, I think? Yeah, somebody. Yeah, uh, this great line. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what. No, I don't know, man. I, I can't think of anybody who I think who I'd want to go back and like, you know, because you hear the, you know, those bands that get a new lead singer and they want to re-record their old shit, right? Uh, I did, love that. Who did that? Like Exodus or was it Exodus or Testament or somebody who did that? Yeah, they, Exodus did. Uh, yeah, where they recorded like some old shit. Yeah, with, it was uh, their first album. Yeah, uh, Bonded by Blood. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was like, oh, 
<laughs> uh, Bonded by Blood's a pretty overrated record anyway. But, well, but uh, well, but it's whatever. interesting, you know, that somebody. The, I, I love the idea of like you know, at Godless sc- speaks on Twitter. <laughs> Screw uh, the old vocalist. We're gonna, <laughs> you know, I think that there's real validity. And then let's to that. get him back. All right, that's a great idea. That, that's tough conversation to have. <laughs> right? I imagine. No shit, it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, I'd love to know. Have the words "Bonded by Blood" passed the lips of anybody in Exodus in the last eight months? <laughs> uh, yeah, outside of the stage. <laughs> yeah. No way. All right. We got to get to our interview with uh, Jean-Paul Gaster of the Mighty Clutch, man. Uh, They made a stop here in Austin, their last tour date. And uh, I guess you could call it they're still on the uh, Earth Rocker tour. Do you you think they make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Who? Clutch? Yeah. I would definitely hope so. They should, right? At this point, they should. But (laughs) there's so many people that need to go. I mean, come on. If Kiss isn't in there, come on. Well, they're in there now. Well, yeah, I know now. But yeah, I'm saying it's how long did it take? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, th- let's give Clutch another 15 years. More. I'd say 2025. 20, It'll take that long. But I, I think, yeah, they should be. I should. We should have asked that, and I didn't think of it. Well, it's, we asked a lot of other questions. We did. About stuff and things. John Paul Gaster on the Metal Slush Podcast. Night before recording, right? Right. I mean, you guys actually going to hit record tomorrow, or is it just set up and hang uh, out, it'll probably video be more games? set up? We're gonna we're gonna load in and start getting some sounds. Uh, prob- probably the following day, we'll get into actually recording. Um, it, it takes a little bit to uh, to get all the sounds going, and, and um, machine uh, is very particular about uh, where the mics go, and 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 I am too. So it's going to be fun. Those those first days in the studio are always exciting. Well, and this is going to be the first time in his new setup here in Texas, right? That is correct. Yeah. So, have you seen? Have you been out there to see it yet? I've only seen photos of it. It's pretty. It looks very nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, at this point, do you, when he starts like tuning your snare and stuff like that, I mean, do you even let him? Uh, I mean, at this point, you know what you want it to sound like, sh- right? Sure, absolutely. Uh, but he, you know, he's got an ear too. You know, we we very much work closely together. Um, Machine is a very unique individual, and in that he can he can say things to this band that no one else in the world can, <laughs> uh, and he manages to get away with it. and uh, And we listen to him on occasion, and uh, <laughs> it's it's great. He really is. Um, he brings a tremendous amount of enthusiasm, and, um, and you, you can't pay for that. You know, what, that, what's the secret? How does he do it? He's just he's really just a, a fan at heart, you know, and, and I think that's one of the best things that he really brings to the table is just being able to listen to the music and listen to the band as a fan, you know. Uh, we've been doing this for 25 years and, and um, you know, sometimes we get a little, uh, I don't know, maybe tunnel vision or, or uh, it's hard for us sometimes to really hear what's going on because we've been playing together for as long as we have. And he really does bring an outsider's perspective um, and, and some insight that I think... Uh, other people wouldn't be able to bring. Well, see, and that seems sort of odd to think about when you think about the way that you guys have progressed on different records and the the chances you guys have taken. It seems like you guys are pretty open-minded about what you're writing, too. Absolutely. We, we, we try to be very open-minded about it. We uh, this, this time around, we, we made a tremendous amount of material. I mean, probably for every i don't know 18 or 20 riffs maybe one of them makes it to the to the table and then and even then that guy is an endangered species i mean <laughs> you, you never know you know right up to the last minute we're cutting stuff and see i would think by now like you guys would have a system it's like the, the dude you know somebody writes a riff somebody writes something 
you know whether the other three dudes are going to click with it or not, no? Yeah, well, there, there's definitely an element of, of uh, th th there's a sort of an unspoken language that happens between the four of us when we're, when we're getting together to, to make songs. Uh, very often, you know, t t several minutes go by without anybody actually saying anything, but there's a tremendous amount of activity happening in the room. Uh, I, I think... Uh, that's just that's just part of what happens when you've been a band for 25 years. You know, you really kind of learn to communicate with one another on a level uh, that doesn't doesn't involve words. Yeah. <laughs> so now the, the 25 year thing is is pretty amazing. I mean, that's a, that's obviously a, a milestone for not just any band can do it can pull that off. Yeah, like and, and 25 guys, years. The Beatles, like half uh, the Beatles are dead. Yeah. Led Zeppelin are wearing the corpses of old ladies. You know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys are. See, and, albums and of the year you well, know the other thing that, that i'm shit. thinking of is, is is that you guys are iron maiden or somewhere you're touring for three months out of the year and playing a show every fourth day or something like that you guys are touring constantly and playing constantly and always together has that gotten easier over the years for you guys or is it harder I, is do you hate looking at neil after a while I, like, you know <laughs> we have we have uh, there's a lot of mutual respect that, that happens we, we're very good at sort of uh staying out of each other's way um at this point we sort of share a brain so, so we kind of know where where everybody's at. Uh, touring can be uh, tiresome. It, it can be. It, it can get monotonous at times. And so we do everything we can to sort of fight that. And and, and for us, that means uh, uh, bringing some new energy into the set every night. So whether it means maybe changing the set list or putting some of these new songs in the set, trying different things for sound check. You know, we really try to stay away from from having it uh, sort of fall into a rut because that's not fun for us, and it's certainly not fun for the audience. See, I would have thought on this tour, like heading to the studio to record the new album, like us as an audience, we're going to hear the new album and Space Grass. You know, and that's like it, right? <laughs> well, you never know; that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I almost figured like you guys would like go through every song twice just to make sure, just to get ready. You know, right. that sort of thing. Right. Uh, well, we've we've been playing the new songs out quite a bit. Um, and uh, and we tried different tweaks on them that you know that night tonight to, just to see how things go. Um, there's a there's a, a, a special energy that happens when you actually play that song for the first time in front of an audience. Uh, you know when you're sitting in the jam room and you're sort of micromanaging every bar, uh, thinking about um, arrangement and 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 um, what everybody else is playing. Uh, all that stuff sort of goes out the window as soon as you get in front of the, in front of an audience and that that song comes to life um, you learn a lot about the song you learn a lot about the feeling of the song you know as, as a drummer um, I'm always uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very mindful of, of, of where the where the pulse of that tune is and so some songs work better when you push them a little bit and some of them kind of work better when you pull them back but those kinds of things really come into light when you when you play live at least with you guys, you know that you have the freedom that once it's recorded, you guys can still mess with it for years because everybody expects a certain amount of that from right, you guys. Right, right. And, yeah, and, and the, the song continues to evolve even after right. after it's been recorded. You know, uh, Many of the songs that we play live are very different than the album versions. Um, Hopefully they're better. You know, we, we we get better at playing the songs. Well, and different instrumentation too. I mean, like you can't replicate a lot of the stuff you have on Robot Hive with with what you're what you're bringing with the four piece. Right. That that's that's correct. And we try not to do that. We try not to replicate the record. You know, we, we try to make each each evening be uh, an honest musical event, 
and by that I mean that that we try not to just get up there and just play a bunch of canned stuff you know um, we take chances live there's improvisation that happens live um, and that can go either way sometimes it can it can work out really really great and it's exciting and it's fun and sometimes there can be a train wreck <laughs> but you know that's that's part of the experience you know that's that's the trade-off uh, other bands are very good at getting out there and playing the same set you know for nine or ten months in a row uh, saying the very same things in between the songs and having the same samples and the same light rig and you know all this kind of stuff uh, we you know I don't like that about rock and roll that wasn't exciting to me when I was a kid uh, it's still not exciting for me now uh, and there's other bands who do it way better than we do well you guys have always seem to be a little bit more in touch with your crowd or a little bit more in that, that that relationship that you have with an audience seems to be there with you guys more than a lot of other bands are out there. The Motley Crue or something like that. You know what I mean? It's 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 on a different level. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we've you know there's going to be folks coming to the to the show tonight that have been seeing us play for 20 years. Uh, we we used to I'm play this room. When, <laughs> there yeah, you go. I know. I know. Uh, so you know, you, who knows how many clutch gigs you've seen, and, mm-hmm. and you've seen different interpretation of Big News One and yeah. different interpretations of Spacecrafts and Fifty Thousand Unstoppable Watts, or whatever the case may be. Uh, the, the fans, I think, have grown to sort of expect that. You know, you're not going to get the same show that you saw last time or even last night. Which is which is really part of the reason to co- keep coming back. I mean, when you guys did, I guess uh, when Emos closed down, Emos here in Austin, then, yeah, in yeah. Austin. They closed down the one that was downtown. You guys did two gigs. Like I think, one was here, one was at the old in the old little room. Yeah, that was sure. just insane yeah. because it's a complete two different sets both yep. nights. Yeah, and it was just it was great. It was one of the things you, not a lot of bands could actually pull that off, or would even bother to pull that off. Well, we're very proud of that. We, we um, you know, we we do something unique in this band, and that we we change the set list every night. And and the way we arrive at that is just having a different member of the band write the set list. So when the tour starts, uh, Dan makes the first set list, uh, then myself, and then Neil, and then Tim, and then and then uh, we start all over again. So whose set list do you consistently look at it and then go, turn to him and go, "Come on, not again"? <laughs> is there like one <laughs> no, dude you can't, who no, always and that's part with of the, it? And that's part of the 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 thing. You know, very early on, we said, "Look." Let's, let's let's adopt this 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 method and see how it goes. But but no one can complain. You know you can't if, if you're unhappy with the set list, then you just have to wait until it's your turn to make the set list, and then you can make it exactly how you want it. I always figured that you guys were able to stay together for 25 years because you all married each other's sisters. Yeah, is that uh, not true? <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> how do you do it then? Uh, I th- I think it really goes back to to. Uh, the mindset that we were in when we started this band, you know, and, and you have to think back about, um, you know, when we were kids going to see shows, we used to go see bands like The Bad Brains uh, and Fugazi uh, and go-go shows like Chuck Brown and The Soul Searchers and EU and um, and a lot of jazz gigs too. I used to go see Elvin Jones play and Billy Cobham and all this, all these guys. So so the the musicians that, that, that I looked up to and that we as a band looked up to were not musicians that... Uh, could fill arenas. They weren't on the radio. Uh, for the most part, the stuff that was on the radio was very uninteresting to all of us, you know. Uh, we set out to make a band that would play good shows and make good records. And that was really the beginning and the end of it. But I imagine when Columbia calls, you got to start, you know, somebody has, and the band's got to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, maybe we made a mistake here, maybe we can get on the radio. You know, at some point, 
I mean, you guys have done more than one major label, right? Sure, we've been on several major labels. Yeah, <laughs> so it's sort of like somebody at some point goes, oh, maybe we could... I sure. mean, even now, you got you could be like, "Whoa, the maybe this Walking Dead thing." Well, you know, that never goes away. You know, yeah. it, you know, and it's still exciting. You, you never know. You always think to yourself, "Well, man, maybe this record's really going to go through the roof." You never know, and uh, we're just grateful to to, to be a band. I, I think at this point, you know, we, we were when we started the band, we had no idea that we were going to be able to make a career out of this. Uh, here we are, twenty five years later, and thankfully, you know, we can make a living. Um, and we don't take that for granted. And I think that's why we play as hard as we do and, and, and really work on the music as hard as we do. I practice every day. I think about the drums every day. I mean, I do this band 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I was going to say, we just walked in and you're sitting here tapping away as you're going. So that's what I do. It's a, how it rolls, right? Yeah. yeah, but I would have thought by now you'd be able to play something a little bit more involved than that. You're just tapping the bat, you know? It's all about the rhythm, though, right? Just, I, I'm uh, probably, you know, yeah. as a non-drummer, probably, you know. Well, I'll tell you, you know, the, the simple things for me, I, I get the most mileage out of, you know. They're, they're uh, just speaking strictly from a, from a drumming standpoint, you know. Uh, the more I play, the more I realize that... Uh, the, the the simplicity of the instrument is really is really where the beauty lies. Uh, uh, more and more, I realize that the drumming has very little to do with the, the physical, and it's much more of a mental thing. And so, uh, you know, if before a set, my my warm up routine does not involve, you know, slamming the pad at you know 215 BPM, trying to, you know, break somebody else's record. That's not interesting to me. Uh, I usually sit very quietly in a corner by myself with a metronome right around 60 BPM, playing very slow, simple things, and just being mindful of what it is I'm doing, lifting the sticks up off the pad, thinking about how quickly the sticks come back down. Uh, you know, there's the little details that really make uh, a, a player who they are. It's got to drive your wife nuts. Yeah, she. I'm, I'm. I'm lucky to have a very patient wife. She. She. She'll. Uh, she will shut me down eventually. But. But. Uh, yeah. I. I can play pretty late at night. And. And. Uh, you know, unless she's got to get up early for the gym tomorrow, she's pretty. Stop she's pretty tapping, flexible. Stop tapping. Stop <laughs> tapping. We. We do get. To, we. We get into some of that sometimes at home. Yeah. So at Why what can't you sit still? <laughs> so at what point with Earth Rocker did you guys know you had a monster? Was it in the songwriting process? While you're recording, or not until after reviews and sales started coming. Well, out. I, I, I th we were very proud of of the recording. Uh, really, as soon as we got into the studio and started to cut the songs, and we realized this is a special record. It, it, we're, we're doing something different on this album. Uh, we were we were very focused, uh, and and I think right away we had a a, a good feeling that it was going to be a good album. Um, the the reception of the record is a completely different scenario and and you can't ever you can't ever know just because the band feels like the record is a good record doesn't mean it's going to resonate sure. with with uh with the people luckily it did and for that we're very grateful well, well that's when you get angry at machine <laughs> <laughs> right well hey, wait, man, you're the fan dude you're supposed to tell us right well too i mean it seems like it seems like earth rocker would be a make a little more sense with the fans would go yeah okay this is kind of a return to form quote unquote yeah. Uh, compared to Beale Street or or Robot Hive, even for that matter, and did you feel that same hesitation with those records as well, or did you feel like there is backlash on those? E each record really is a uh, it's it's just a it's a it's a snapshot of where the band is musically and creatively, and so uh, you know on Robot Hive Exodus uh, we had uh, we had an organist uh, and uh, and we had Eric playing harp on uh, on Beale Street and he toured with us for quite some time 
uh, and that was fun. There was a lot of energy that happened on the stage because we had those other players. Uh, and then right before we went in to do Strange Cousins, um, we decided, you know what, I, let's let's change it up. You know, you can't keep doing the same stuff over and over. So um, Strange Cousins, in my mind, was kind of a transition record. We were we were going back to just the four piece of the band, uh, thinking about uh, how to make those songs really translate. Um, without having that extra instrumentation. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think we really nailed it on Earth Rocker. Obviously, we were, you know, we're very proud of that one, and that record's been really, really good for us. Looking pretty good, man. Uh, how, yeah. are you, how are you feeling? Feeling good. Yeah? Yeah, feeling really good. I've seen you uh, all over the place over the years, yeah, and, yeah. and this looking yeah. pretty svelte. Yeah. Well, taking I, care I, of yourself? Yeah, I, I try to. I've I, I dropped a few pounds in the last couple of years. Uh, it's no fun being on stage huffing and puffing and, and sweating, and, you know, it's... it's uh, it's not enjoyable for me, and it's certainly not enjoyable for the audience. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, I mean, I, 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 I do the best I can. I try to take care of myself. Is it rough when you're, like, on the road and touring and all that stuff to try to keep up any kind of regimen? Yeah, that's that's very difficult. Uh, when I'm at home, I, I've got an elliptical machine, and I, I like I like riding that for a little bit every day. <laughs> uh, and I just try not to eat like a jerk, you know? <laughs> Is it easier to play? Is it make certainly like but everything is easier? Every, for you? Everything's easier. Uh, it's it's. Uh, you, I just really try to make drums the focus of everything that I do. Yeah, you make the whole. I, I hate to go back to this, but you make the whole the four of us together for twenty five years sound so easy. But well, at the same time, you've seen so many bands come and go. Yeah, and and a lot of those bands didn't subscribe to the two things that I talked about earlier: yeah. making good records and making uh, good shows. That that's really the thing that has in my mind anyway that's that's the thing that's carried the band you know when times got hard we thought well we need to play a good show tonight because that's the only thing a band can do yeah. or when we go into the studio we have to make a good record has there ever been a point in your career where you guys got nervous that you might not be able to sustain or you might not be able to push through uh i think in those times we just pushed even harder you when, know when was that uh the the late 90s were very difficult uh, we were still messing around with major labels, jumping from one to the other. Um, I think at that time, too, uh, we didn't realize it at the time, but, but you started to see the decline of that major label machine. Um, and we kind of we got caught up in that, too, you know. Uh, the labels became much more selective about how they wanted to release music, when they wanted to release music. Um, we would be under contract with a label, and, and we would say, look, we're ready to make a new album. And they would say, well, we're not really ready, ready for you to make a new record. You know? And so then we would say, well, let's go book a tour. And then the booking agent that we would have at the time would say, well, you don't have a new album, so now what are you going to do? So it was, it was very difficult. It was, it was a battle, um, and, and it, was, it, was not, uh, it wasn't a good time. It, it, was, it was hard. But you know, from that time came jam room which is probably one of the weirdest craziest records we've ever made you know and i think that's kind of how we how we sort of made it through those times was it you guys thought you needed the major label system and it was sort of just a mind shift to kind of get it, away it was from really it? the only game in town it's what you, know? you do it's it's it, you, know? you know there were there were um certainly independent labels out there but uh you know by that time we realized there's no such thing as a cool label, you know. An independent label is an independent label that wishes they were a major label. They just don't have the money or the funds to, to put behind a band, and that's really the end of the story. Uh, other people will argue otherwise, you know, about creativity and, and uh, um, you know, sort of a DIY mindset and whatever they might have. But uh, in my mind, that was a bunch of bullshit back then. Uh, you know, the, 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 
the little labels wanted to be big labels. Um, well, and you guys labels. got caught up in a in a whole shitstorm of licensing and everything else with the, with with a lot of that too. So I mean that that was a big mess. It really was. It, it was difficult. the The best thing that this band ever did was to start our own label, Weathermaker, uh, and we've been doing that now for about eight years. Immediately, everything just became more clear. You know, it was it was much easier to focus on fun stuff like you know jamming new riffs and not having to get on the phone with the attorney and talk about some really dumb shit. You know, um, it allowed us to just to be a band. So, is there an office somewhere with two with two ladies? Uh, well, you know, who my, just my my wife. She and she runs it. <laughs> no, she she uh, she does the day to day bookkeeping. Uh, we have a label manager, Seven uh, Stefan Coster. He uh, he does an amazing job. Very dedicated individual. Uh, and Jack Flanagan, our manager, he's been managing us now for many many years. Uh, he was on the road with us uh, even before that, so we have a very good relationship That's with awesome. him. So between between the three of them, and and ourselves, you know, we, we can we, we manage to do a pretty good job of running the label. So they let you just be musicians or do you guys still feel like you need to be involved in the business sure, side? The sure, business we're still, side. absolutely still involved in the business side of it. I've, you know, everybody knows the monies that are going, coming in and going out. Uh, everybody knows the kind of money that we're going to spend on promotions and advertising and whether or not we're going to try to do a radio campaign. I mean, we're all, we've always been very hands-on and I think that comes from, from you know, very early on just coming up in the, in the hardcore scene. Uh, you know, people made their own flyers and booked your own shows and pressed your own records and and that that mentality never left the band. Even when we were on the major labels, we still uh, we were still very cognizant of that. And, and any time we could take a situation into our own hands, we did. But at the same time, with a major label or something like that, those books were kind of closed to you, so you don't get to see half of that well, stuff. That, so that makes true. it even harder to deal with, right? Yeah, we we realized very early on uh, that the the monies that came from a major label were going to be few if any yeah uh and we knew that going into it you know that was just part of the racket um they were going to give you some money to make a record and then pretty much you could just kiss all the other stuff goodbye so you better get in the van and you better tour your ass i think you guys only had one like one real like radio push that that was was careful with that mic and that was like the one thing that they really shoved right right after that it was like yeah that was the closest thing we had to sort of a you know a uh of an active rock radio mm. single, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, was it? Uh, what, what is the the status on all of those albums? Will any of them ever become yours? Um, well, at this point, point, really, the only records that we don't own are uh, Transnational Speedway League, uh, self titled Elephant Riders, and Pure Rock Fury. Uh, the uh, the three records that we did with DRT, Blast Tyrant, Robot Hive, and Beale Street. Weathermaker releases those now. Um, our very first seven-inch pitchfork, we own that now. Um, I, I I would say that probably those four records that that I was talking about, we will we will never see the rights to those. As far as I know, Elephant Riders is actually even out of press yeah, yeah. at, at this point. Uh, you know, that's that's the reality of it. Well, I mean, it was a. It, you guys heralded when you got back uh, when you got back Blast Tyrant and when you got back the DRT era because I mean you re-released them on Weathermaker and there's like all the bonus stuff that you guys have put out with it and yeah I mean there's a, a ton of stuff so I mean it, it must have been pretty exciting to be able to get that material back in the house Absolutely. right no doubt about it very very exciting we're we're grateful that the things just kind of worked out that way 
it's interesting because watching back your career, it just always feels like you guys have done the right moves at the right time. And, and I mean that by, like, we, before we started talking, I'm talking to you about Milwaukee Metal Fest, and you guys were like, everybody's like, what the hell is this, right? Yeah. And and that was before Transnational, I think, the first time I saw you. And, uh, but you were right ahead of the curve because three, four years later, when you guys are doing your self-titled album and everybody's talking about Clutch, like every other metal band's like, we can't get anybody to show up to our shows. Yeah. And you guys were ahead of it and you guys were on the right labels or maybe not specifically, but in the right place at the right time. How much of that is conscious and how much of that has been dumb luck? Well, you know, all of it's luck, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, but I don't when, believe when in luck. So what, it must when, be... When, you know, when, when we were in the middle of it, you know... When we did that that metal fest that you described, uh, I remember having a, a good time, yeah. but I also remember looking at all those blank faces out there and thinking to myself, "Man, this is this is not going well right now," you know. And uh, you know, and then a few years later, maybe we were on tour with Marilyn Manson, and uh, same kind of uh, uh, reception from the audience. I'm thinking to myself, "Man, this is this is kind of this is terrible. They 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 really don't care for this music at all." When we came to town six months later. There was kids with Marilyn Manson T-shirts in the front row, so you know it, it, when you're in it, you you don't really think about it like that. You just think to yourself, "Man, we better just do a good ass job. We better just play our asses off because that's the only thing we got." So it's just self belief. Yeah. Just as long as I know that what I'm doing today, I'm going to feel good about it tomorrow. I'm going to be all right. Yep. So now when you guys uh, grab these dudes for the label, because now you're putting out other bands and stuff, how do you go about picking? picking and choosing who make sure you own the masters <laughs> <laughs> well you know at, at this point we really we've only released one other band that at the outside of side projects of, mm -hmm. of the guys um uh tim did a project called big swell mm -hmm. uh, very different sounding than clutch uh neil did the company band um so in one way it's sort of been an outlet to put those side projects out uh, but with with the Lion Eyes thing, we really just we've known those guys for many many years. Um, I originally met them um, at my drum teacher's house, uh, Walter Saab, and Walter was uh, uh, he was he was uh, he was a crotchety old individual, and uh, he was a great teacher and really believed in music. Um, but he had a, a a very abrasive way about him, and I can remember very specifically going to his house. And the Lion Eyes guys at the time, they were just kids. They were in high school. And uh, their drummer at the time was taking lessons from Walter. And, and he soon left the band. And these kids kept coming over to Walter's house, you know, like, why are you guys over here taking this abuse? You know, I got to come <laughs> over here for drum lessons. But, you know, here, here you are. He's just, you know, and just, so right right away I knew that these, these, these guys were, were special guys. And, and they... Uh, and they continued to impress me with their work ethic, with their musicality, um, and it just worked out. You know, it, it was it was it was an opportunity for us to put some music out uh, for a band that that we really believed in, and we're proud of them. You know, they're they're going to be on the show tonight. That's mm -hmm. interesting because like uh, like whenever I go for like a, a poker coach or a surfing coach, I go for the like angriest, most abrasive coach I can because I know they're going to keep me focused. Right. Is that right. is that the same thing you got with? With Walter, yeah, he, he was, um, yeah, he, he was a very special guy in that way. He he started playing professionally in 1946, so that Whoa. you know, so you got to think about it, think about it from that perspective. Right. Um, and you know, in a lot of ways, that sort of abrasive personality that he had was really a way, I think, for him to cut through a lot of shit. Um, more than once, I took drummer friends over 
uh, who were not as thick-skinned and not as dedicated to the music. And uh, Walter saw that immediately. And so, you know, these insults and these uh, racial epithets and whatever else he could, <laughs> he could conjure up uh, drove those people away. But for him, all the better, because he didn't want to deal with people who weren't there for the real reason. Waste uh, his time. Exactly, waste, yeah. wasting his time. One thing that I, I never forget that he said is, uh, you know, if you're a musician and you have a plan B, then that's, that's your plan, plan B. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. so if in the back of your head you're thinking, well, I'm going to do this band, but, you know, in a couple of years, really, I'm going to go back to school and, and I'm going to do accounting work, really, you're going to go back to school and do accounting work. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's very much the way Walter lived his life. That sounds like really awful advice nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and all right, so real quick, because everybody's going to want to know, do you have a name for the new album? No name for the new album. Do you have song titles? We have working song titles yeah. at this point. Uh -huh. One of them is called Motorhead because it <laughs> sounds like Motorhead. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that would probably change, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then there's, you know, like uh, ZZ Funk uh, <laughs> and, you know, like, you know, silly titles like that. Um, but you got to call it something, yeah. you know. You got to you got to name it something, and, and uh, usually those those silly titles don't stick. Uh, but once in a while they do. Does it feel like to you? From I think a lot of people probably all right. A lot of people. I think people agree with me that it feels like <laughs> Clutch have got almost like two. It's like almost two distinct styles that you transitioned into and transitioned very recently out of so is, does it feel that way inside or does it all feel like one big beast it's all music to me I you know? know I, it's, I it's, knew it's, you were going to say that it's, it's all music that. to me you know I, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just subdividing my life you know that that's that's really what it is I, I look at music and I think about how, how do I make sense of that how, how do I subdivide that quarter note you know you can take a quarter note you could split it two ways you can split it in half or you could split it in three and then you can split those in half or in three and so that's what I'm thinking about when we're, when we're making music I'm looking at that music I'm thinking about that riff and how are these guys subdividing that how do I make sense of that yeah but when the acoustic guitars are getting dusty then you know you're on this side of the the sandwich, you right, know. Right, right, right. It's all music, man. <laughs> that. See, that's the that's the mathematical drummer. That's the you know that's the that's the way you think about it. You know? yeah. Well, yeah, and and so all right, assuming that I'm right and you're wrong about Clutch. Yep. yep. <laughs> all right. Would the next album be the where, Earth Rocker? Where does it land on the spectrum? Yeah. Well, there's definitely a, a good bit of it is is sort of. Um, uh, a continuation of the of the kind of energy that we hit on on Earth Rocker. Mm -hmm. I, th I think on Earth Rocker we got good at playing uh, upbeat songs. You know, we've always had you know one or two of those on a record, uh, but Earth Rocker was the first one in a long time that was really consistently consistently upbeat. Um, having played that style for a couple years now, uh, I'm better at it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I can I can I just do that thing better now, and and uh, it didn't used to be one of my strong suits. Uh, so, so we're more uh, versed at that approach, and and I feel like the songs that are a continuation of Earth Rocker are are some of that same feeling, but even better. You know, uh, the detail in it I think is is uh, more apparent, and 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 again, it's, it's all about subdividing stuff. I'm I'm more aware of how to of how to put those beats where they need to be. Right. Did were you guys surprised that you didn't get more of the uh, 
I, well, I guess uh, two questions. Are, are you surprised you didn't get more of the like video game placements and the TV placements that that seem to be happening more with the sort of bluesy style stuff that you guys have been doing previously? Was that a surprise or not a surprise, or uh, do you not care? Yeah, I mean, I don't. We don't really think about it too much like that. Like this will be a good song for a video game. You know, we right. just we just. We just try to make the best songs that we can, you know, wherever wherever the inspiration really is, we, we follow it, you know. Um, we try a lot of stuff, you know, in, in, the, in the jam room. We'll say, you know, let's, uh, let, today let's just work on acoustic things, you know, let's try to get some acoustic things going. Um, and we might come up with three, four, five different ideas. Um, but if one of those ideas doesn't really resonate with the band, we don't, we don't force it, you know, you can't. You, you can't force something like that. Um, the best songs, I think, are the ones that come together with the least amount of, of effort. So how do those deals come about when, when, it, when something like that happens, like the Walking Dead thing? Because uh, when, when I listen to Earth Rocker, I mean, uh, there are several songs where I get a visual of it. You know, like my favorite song on the record is The Face. It's probably, like, hands down my favorite song because it just provides this epic sort of visualization for me. So, I mean, is that is that the label side that does that? Is the band that... You know, or is it people that come to you guys? Go, people people we come see to us. This with people this. come to us these days, and and I think really what's happened is that there was, you know, uh, a lot of folks, uh, you know, in their teens and early twenties who who uh, appreciated the music, appreciated the band, would go see the shows live, and now those people are professionals, and Watch some of them jackass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so some of those people are, are you know designing video games, and some mm-hmm. of those people are uh, in in uh, movies or commercials, and and so they pick their favorite bands, you know, and sometimes those bands, or sometimes that band is clutch. Yeah, it should be every time. Because <laughs> <laughs> my favorite song on Earth Rocker is the whole album, but just well. just. <laughs> I got to check. <laughs> uh, it's just that's the I don't know. That's the one that I just kept going back to over and over and over and over again. I don't, I don't know. We're super why. excited for the new album. Do the wives and, and I assume everybody's got kids? No. Uh, I don't have kids. You don't have kids? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Wow. No, my wife and I. One up on the others. Yeah. We. we no. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No. Thank you. That's I like them. Yeah. I, I think they're great. <laughs> yeah. I just don't want them living in my house. How many have the all three of the other guys ever come up to you and gone, Hey, look. I need to bring the kid for the weekend on, you know, for between this date and that date. Has that gone on? No, you know, and, and we're, we're pretty good at keeping it separate. You know, we, we learned very early on watching other bands who brought wives or girlfriends on the road uh, that that really is, um, that's just an invitation for trouble. All kinds of things happen uh, when, when you start to, to delve into that. Especially whose wife? <laughs> <laughs> You got it. You got it. It, And it's and it's a working environment. You know, it's it's it's, you know people have this idea that oh you're traveling around in a bus and you know doing all these gigs and stuff. But this thing is basically a submarine. You know, and 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 we're in dirty ass nightclubs every night, and it's dark, and we play hard and late and. You know, it's 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 not a family. Well, and you got to maintain that level of focus that you were talking about earlier. You know, what I mean, like if anything, distra- if you're distra- paying attention over here, if the kid scrapes his knee on the uh, on a beer well, bottle, too, out back but you want to keep you know, the same lineup. You don't want somebody going. I'm starting to get a little homesick but, about so and so. You know, you don't yeah. want that either. Right, right. Uh, you know, may- maybe one day the band will be so huge that that everybody can have their own tour bus and they they can bring their families. Uh, uh, until that happens, you know, we. we you know, this is a working environment. Is there ever uh, a time like I'm getting married? Couldn't be a lot of expenses. Can we tour so that I can have? You know, how much does everybody's personal expenses and relationships 
get into the business of income production for the band? Uh, well, you know, we, we tour constantly because we need to pay mortgages. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's 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 what we do. Uh, you know, I, I can't really remember a time where, where a band member was like, oh, well, I've got to gotta go on tour because I need this. You know, we're all in this together. Everybody makes the same, you know, so... Uh, we all have we all have homes and we all have wives and and car payments and you know all that kind of taxes you know all that kind of stuff so uh the, we stay busy because we have to stay busy so it is weathermaker like based in the cayman islands just for the <laughs> yeah <laughs> shelter <laughs> well and uh, well i guess that's the other question is uh is 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 it always been like a total everybody gets an equal thing on everything that we do sure yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely and has that been critical you think to Ab the no survive? doubt about it no doubt about it has there ever been a point where you're like yeah but he doesn't lug my drums no uh-oh no we, we 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 don't usually get into those kinds of it just doesn't happen you know yeah but i mean at some point you probably go uh, i don't know i feel like i'm working a little bit harder than the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has a skill set in this in this I band. Do the interviews. Uh, everybody. Well, we split up the interviews too. You I know. Got it. You know. I mean, we. It, it's it's like that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we try to. It's it's very much a democracy. It, it's um, it's very much a four way split, uh, for everything. You know, for for everything from songwriting credits to 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 financials. I mean, you know, we're in this together. Have there been bands that you guys have toured with, especially bands that you've done a lot of time with, where when they're coming apart, anybody's ever called you and said, how do I salvage this thing? How do I keep it going? And you wish that there was something you could have done. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I do know what you mean. That has not happened. What's wrong with everybody? You'd be the first person I'd call. Uh, I don't know. I think they look at us and just think we're, we're four incredibly boring people. <laughs> And why would why would we want to be anything like that band? Really? I think so. Is that what you think? I, I'm See, pretty I sure know. about with, it. With, but with that time you spend together, in that uh, the level of success that you guys have had, at least it, it, relationship wise and, and sticking together, it seems like that's. I want to know what I want to know. You know something that some other people don't know. And you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah, like it, yeah. it's like you would know. You know, you're the Doctor Phil. There's a like, tell me what I'm. What am I doing wrong? I can't get along with my guitar. The corrosion of conformity guys never called up and said, How, we, "We can't make this work. What's going on?" No way. They never called. No. Uh -uh, uh -uh. I, I love those guys, and and we see them all the time. In fact, I just saw Pepper the, the yeah. other night when we were in New Orleans. He's very excited about about uh, getting back together with with his with his uh, friends yeah, at COC, yeah. and and I can't wait for that. You know, I I love COC. Uh, all versions of the band. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I can't say anything bad about those guys. Uh, the, uh, those records have been—they've uh, been, uh, they've been a, the soundtrack to you know my very earliest uh, 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 endeavors in, in, in rock and roll and, and heavy metal, all the way up through the more you know rock sound and stuff that they did in the '90s and the three-piece thing. I just saw the three-piece band play uh, not too long ago, three or four months ago, and it was amazing playing better than ever mm -hmm. you know uh, Reed Mullen was such an influence on me when I was a kid uh, I loved the energy that he had and, and um, watching those three guys play together is those guys own time uh, they, they somehow managed to to stretch and compress time in a, in a way that no other band can do they have they have a very special uh, 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 musical bond and, and for me that's very exciting to watch yeah Love It'll be guys. interesting to see Pepper jump back into the middle of that to see, yeah. how, that, to see yeah. how that works out. Well, yeah, we'll see how that works yeah, out. Yeah, Those yeah. guys have been playing hard for a long time, and they've got their their chops are up. They're they're playing really good, 
Pepper's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, caught him at South by, uh, and oh, it was just it was brutal. I mean, it was like I wasn't expecting it, you know, because I was used to the, you know, the the Pepper era stuff is right. more so. I hadn't seen the three piece before that, and it's like, oh my god, what are the, this is amazing, awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome stuff. And and I like it in in a way too. It's it's almost like. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a history lesson, you know, when, when you think about for how long those guys have been playing together and the kinds of stuff that they listen to and the the sound that they came up with. It's completely unique. No no one else was doing that, and and they're still like that. Did you marry a Clutch fan? She 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 was a Clutch fan, but I've, I've known my wife for a very, very long time, and and uh, uh, she loves the band. Yeah, she does. But... She, but she, she knew you first before she knew what you did. Um, I don't know. I don't think she did actually. I, m- I remember going to. Uh, it wasn't like a merch table romance. N- no, no, it was nothing like that. I, it was at a show though when I first met her. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, who was playing? I think it was an Internal Void show. You guys know Internal Void? No. Mm-hmm. Internal Void. Uh, Maryland has a has a, a killer doom scene. Um, the obsessed. You know, with Wino, uh, he he sort of spawned this whole scene that happened from there. And so, so from 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 uh, the obsessed, you got bands like Internal Void, and you got bands like Iron Man and Wretched, and really really great bands. Um, Internal Void is they've been playing doom metal since probably about 1985. You know, and uh, I think I met her at an Internal Void show actually. Not a clutch show. No, it was not a clutch show. So is she a doomer? A do- what do you call that? A doomer? Yeah, she is, man. St. Yeah. Vitus. Yeah, heck yeah. Trouble. Wow. All that stuff. She loves that stuff. See, I always like. I always got nervous about dating Smiths fans yeah. and Doom fans. Yeah. I don't think I could do it. Well. But it worked for you. It, it did. It worked out quite nicely. <laughs> <laughs> did she just do everything slow? I can't figure anybody <laughs> Absolutely else. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Poison's the 
subscribe to the Metal Sucks Podcast today. Brand new song from Psychroptic. It's called The World Discarded on the Metal Sucks podcast. I got to say, I still love those guys, man. I donated my money uh, to help the Tasmanian Devils with that last song that I bought. <laughs> oh, is that right? In, in, oh, that's right, because they're Australian, aren't they? Yeah, well, it came out um, uh, like September, October. Like it, the one, It's called Echoes to Come, and that one came out a while back, and they did it for charity. Yeah. Uh, like to help save Tasmanian Devils or whatever. So Dude, if those... Good for them. If those motherfuckers could spin like crazy and then like, you know, go... <laughs> afterwards i'd give my money but they don't <laughs> i don't think that's what they do they man. don't do that I don't so think that's how it works my, my whole that's my like a, adult 
that's like everybody in Texas. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same idea. Everybody down there carries a big knife and has a hat with teeth on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's not how it works, dude. I know, but I guess if my adulthood's going to be disappointing about what's true about Tasmanian devils, then... I, you know how you do you can't ask me to give money to there that. are even pictures online of psychoptic cuddling with a little soft turn yeah you can, no you can't cuddle. No. they're so cuddle. cute look oh. at how cute they are oh. what a cute little Tasmanian devil oh. that's cute I bet there'll be a couple of Australians on this uh, trip we're about to take 70,000 tons of metal yeah. people and check this out if you're coming onto the boat uh, look for us and because we don't know when this is happening and we don't know where it's happening <laughs> and we don't even necessarily have a lot of confidence that it is happening. Hey, man, we're, we're going to do our best to actually do some stuff live in front of you guys. Is basically yes. what's going to happen. Live so, interviews. I think what might happen is I may become a usurper, find this uh, this on-air lounge or whatever on the boat and just take over. Like, plug all my <laughs> shit in yeah. and we just start talking on the microphone and be done with it, dude. So look for yeah. us because it's going to be really cool. Uh, you know, we get to ask like embarrassing questions now in front of a number of people. Yeah, which, you can never do that shit live, so it's all good. Are you challenging me? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am not. 2015's a new year, yeah, man. Yeah, it'll be the it'll be the year that I walk off the podcast. <laughs> See you well, later. You try to walk uh, off the I'm boat, done. man. You try to walk off the boat. I'll just walk over to the bar and grab a drink. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm out of here. Oh, God damn it. No. Don't uh, ask Nergal about his penis, please. All right. <laughs> Wow, there's things people want to know. <laughs> That's true. It probably is. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. It'll be interesting. Uh, uh, still, still waiting on a few bands to be announced. But yeah, it's yes. going to be uh, be sailing out this week on my birthday. Congratulations, yeah, happy birthday! I guess you got you're coming up too. So yeah, lots. It'll be a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun last year. So and of course yeah. you will get the backhaul on that. You know, once we do a bunch of interviews, we'll post it on the podcast coming up. Once we get back and all that. So that'll be a good time, man. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, lots of good stuff coming. I think next week we might throw a, a story time from Staverson. We got a. Uh, it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Featuring the members of Metallica. I yeah. might add. In 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 a certain in a way. way. He actually is brilliant. I got to tell you. <laughs> and uh, and dude, he. Um, I was looking on Facebook, and he's going to be doing like a. It's what sounds like a, a almost live story time. Oh, cool. So it's like him and a couple other dudes that are doing like a Q&A slash storytelling thing live in Chicago. And I was like, oh, that actually sounds really cool, man. Yeah. So because he's he's a great storyteller. That's why we invite him in. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're going to have him on the podcast next week uh, to tell another. It's the extension of the New Orleans story. So if you know the Eaglehead New Orleans story, this is like <laughs> tied into it as well. So there's. Yeah, then and the back on the New Orleans story with all the we met that guy at House Core. Well, you did. I never uh, met. Yeah, him. <laughs> dude. It's yeah. So wow, awesome. wow. Small <laughs> fucking world when it comes to this metal thing. Man. It really is, dude. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the Metal Sucks podcast so that you can get it to your device every week. Speak pipe. Uh, yeah, speak pipe. Look for that every time we post uh, um, at metalsucks.net. At the bottom of the post, you can click on a thing and you can leave us a message. So if you think something about a song. Or you think something about what we say that uh, the, that Godless is full of shit about Exodus? Yeah, uh, yeah. You can uh, you can let us know on the speak pipe. So make sure you leave us a message that way. You can also tweet us. I am at Bearded Ape on Twitter. I, I am at Godless Speaks. So that's uh, yet another way that you can get a hold of us. And of oh, course, yeah. we post every Monday at MetalSucks.net. I am Chuck. I'm Godless, and this is another episode of the Metal Sucks podcast. Mm-hmm.